0: So call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today.
1: What up, Sober Guy family? Thank you for tuning in today, and thanks to humans for bringing us in and as always, thank you for supporting the show. This is Seth Manter, and you are listening to the Tuesday episode of Sober Guy Radio. On today's episode, I am super honored to have Killian know. Killian is the author of Descent Into Love, How Recovery Cafe Came to Be, and Finding Our Way Home, Addictions and Divine Love. Killian is also the co founder of Samaritan Inns and founder of Recovery Cafe. For over three decades, Killian has been helping those suffering from trauma, depression, mental illness, homelessness, and substance addiction. But before we get to Killian, be sure to check us out at www dot that sober guy.com. There's a tons of resources there. You could check out all of our past episodes and you could also get information on upcoming live shows and events. Uh, if you so wish you could hit me up on Instagram at sober guy Seth, or you could email me at Seth at that sober guy.com. Also, on Friday, September 7th at 7 p.m., we're going to be hosting our very first live podcast event at the Phoenix Theater in Petaluma, California. Uh, we'll be joined by special guest TJ Woodward, author of the best selling book, Conscious Being. He is also the creator and author of Conscious Recovery. Super pumped to have TJ on board with us. Uh, we're going to be talking life, some sobriety, some recovery, some mindfulness. We would love to have you come out and join us. Uh, for ticket information, you could go to the dot or you could also log on to that soberguy.com too. Tickets um, for this event will sell out for sure. What's up, Keelyan? How are you doing today?
0: Thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be with you.
1: Yeah, this is uh this is a good time. It's been um, it's been in the works for for a little bit to get you on the show. Um, you know, I was thinking about uh, my excitement levels were increasing as I was as as the time clock was was <laughs> getting closer to four o'clock, um, and I you know get a get to leave the nine to five and and do the job that you know I really love is it's always it's always an honor to 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 be a voice of sobriety, and um, you know if it's just one thing that I say or or half of the thing that I say or that or that you share, Gillian helps one person out there that's suffering. Um, I think we've done our job for the day. Before we get into um, kind of your story and, and the <laughs> development of Samaritan Ends and Recovery Cafe, I would like to uh, answer one of our listener emails. So this comes from Brandon and Brandon writes, I just found you by chance this week and it's the voice I needed to hear at the right time. I'm going back and listening to the backlog to answer some questions I've had myself for so long. Alcoholism runs deep in my family, having taken out both my dad's parents when he was just a teen and all of my mom's brothers in their 40s. I am realizing I was totally alcoholic from about 17 to 30-ish. I thought I was just doing what all my friends were doing and it was simply part of being a dumb kid. After I had kids, I started to realize that I was drinking because I was insecure and anxious and drinking finally made me feel cool. Fast forward to my late 30s, too hungover to play with my kids. One day, I knew I had to deal with some shit. So for the first time in 20 years, I went cold turkey for eight months. I felt like a superhero. Suddenly, I figured I had it all figured out. And a few months later, I was back to a drink or two every day after work. Than the occasional banger on the rare kid free weekend. My wife still drinks a little wine on the regular. She's totally fine with me being sober, but she also doesn't think I'm an alcoholic. And truth be told, it's probably more fun for her if I join the party. But I think it's time to stop. After being sober for eight months, I know life is better that way. I think my kids are going to inherit all of these alcoholic genes, anxiety, and they're going to need someone to show them how to deal with life without self-medication. So I guess my question is, any advice for sticking with the sober process when there isn't a rock bottom, a crumbling job, or a marriage that's falling apart? Is it even harder to manage sobriety when you are still under the impression that you can keep your stuff together? Uh, Brandon writes, love the pod. Keep up the great work, thanks, fellers. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for for sending that email in. You know, obviously, we we love reading these things. Um, you know, we try to answer as as many a, as we can. And and you know, I, I did get to talk to Brandon uh, a couple times back and forth. My take on this whole situation, Killian, and I, and I would obviously love to hear your take on it. Um, I absolutely think that, you know, the, the diagnosis of the alcoholic starts with self. Um, the moment that we realize that, you know, the things that we are feeling, um, the stuff that we're going through that we can't deal with it anymore, that we need to self-medicate is, is definitely a sign. So for me, um, one of one of the, the 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 main outlying factor for my drinking and addiction to uh drugs was that I just couldn't deal with life anymore um you know and there was there was multiple people out there in the very beginning of my my partying and drinking and partying that were out there doing it with me most definitely said that I didn't have a problem later years of my drinking and drugging it was like man, seth you most definitely have a problem. You need to go get some help. And I didn't take that advice. So I think pulling it all kind of back, I think it, it, it comes within, it's got to be something that you, you want to do. Um, you know, you could live your life being told, you know, yes or no, you're not an alcoholic. But until you really accept the fact that, you know, alcohol or drugs may be a problem, is, is when the, when the work and and when the the life changes really begin to happen, you know? So I think, I think too, you know, if it's, if it's a question, you know, I think it's something that most definitely you need to, um, look at deeper, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know, Killian, what do you, what do you think about that? And and if you want me to re-ask the questions that Brandon's asking, I can most definitely do that for you. Um, but how do you, how do you, how do you know? if if you're an alcoholic or not?
0: Well, um, first of all, your email alone is going to touch a lot of people because you expressed something that so many of us have experienced. So thank you, thank you for that. Um, I tend to think of um, addiction in a very uh, broad sense. I, I tend to think that when we are hurting ourselves in any way uh that could then be physically emotionally psychologically hurting ourselves in any way or anyone we love, then we have an issue that we really need to work with and 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 um and it may not in this when I say broad i i I'm talking about when we have any kind of dependency that is hurting ourselves or others, and that could be work, a dependency on our work, a dependency on approval from others, an unhealthy dependency on security even, an unhealthy dependency on really any kind of sensation that that we um, use to to relieve our pain or or to face hard things um that are going on in our lives so so that's kind of a broad broad answer but um but I think you Brandon I can just tell from your email that you have a lot of insights and a lot of wisdom and I think that that you um the answer that you're looking for is, is really within you. It's already there. That truth is within you.
1: Yeah. And I, Killian, I absolutely love the way that you answer that too, right? Because it doesn't just have to be drugs or alcohol that we use to, um, advert the things that life throws at (laughs) us. Right. So a lot of, you know, a lot of people, you know, they do use drugs and alcohol. A lot of people eat, Um, you know, or or use food to escape, to comfort. Um, A lot of people, you know, become, you know, workaholics to kind of escape the normalcy of life and, you know, kind of fulfill their life with something that they're good at rather than to take on the the real stresses of life. So I, I absolutely love you touch that that you know it's not just the alcoholic problem that we that we suffer it's the self-medication to get outside of self so so thank you so much for bringing that up
0: yeah you're you're so welcome
1: again brandon thank you thank you for the email Listeners out there, if you if you guys um, feel the need to to shoot us an email, please please do that. We we absolutely love love reading them. Um, so, Killian, I want to I want to get into you, into your story a little bit. So, first off, let me tell me what the inspiration behind uh, Samaritan Ends was, and then leading into the finding or being becoming the founder of Recovery Cafe.
0: Well. I was uh, living in the Middle East, working as a volunteer. And when I moved back to the U.S., I'd never lived in a big city in the U.S. I'd only lived in, you know, smaller uh, smaller towns or cities. But when I moved back to um, the U.S. in 1982, I moved to washington d c and I was blown away by the number of people living on on the streets of our nation's capital. just blown away ten thousand people at the time um well, now there are twelve thousand people living on the streets of seattle washington where i where I live so um the number is growing in, in um in many major US cities. But at the time, I just had never seen such huge numbers of people who are homeless. So I began to stop and talk to people and, and ask them to share some of their stories. And and what I, what I realized and what I heard over and over again is for many of the people, yes, there's a housing crisis in most US cities, no question about that. But for many of the people I talked to they were they were um trapped. They felt so trapped. Hmm. Trapped by mental illness, trapped by addiction, and it, it's as if they were just had chains wrapped around them and with no way of escape. And and it it, it just it just broke my heart. So one day I was I was at my church in downtown DC, and um, the the pastor Gordon Cosby, who was quite a, an amazing um, prophetic guy, he he said, you know, when you're uh, when you're the capital city of the richest country in the world, what people should see when they come here. He um, says people come from all over the world to visit the marble monuments, the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Memorial. But what, what people really ought to see in the capital city of the richest country in the world, they ought to see on every corner places where people who have fallen through the cracks and are suffering, places where they can rebuild their lives, reclaim their lives and, and be set free. And it was as if someone put a knife through my heart. I, I started to cry. I, I, I couldn't, I was, it was really embarrassing because I started to cry so hard. And at the end of that uh, service, I, I went up to Gordon and I said, you know, this may sound crazy, but that's what I want to do in my life. I want to um, help create places where people who are trapped can be set free, where people who have fallen through the cracks can find belonging and can find just how much they are valued and how precious they really are. That's what I want to do in my life. And um so that. That's kind of the a long story for how I kind of uh first got into this, and um it was in the process of trying to launch the Samaritan ends um with with uh, my friend David Erickson. It was in that long process that I came to understand some of my own addictions and um And so, you know, my own recovery journey began in earnest, actually, as I, as I was reaching out to, to uh, respond to the needs of others. It was, it was like my, some of my healing began as I was reaching out to offer healing to others.
1: I, I would agree with that. Like my, my recovery didn't start until I started to become service of those that, that still suffer. The chills that I get and the motivation that just comes from those, you know, I'm sure his speech was, was quite longer than than what you kind of paraphrased, but just in those like four or five sentences that you talk about, you know, seeing the the human that's still out there suffering or or you know quote unquote that has fallen through the cracks it's just it's so heartbreaking for me like I, I I take some of that personal that you know I if I don't if I don't come up on the opportunity to help someone I don't be part of the solution um then you know I am most definitely the part of the a part of the problem
0: yeah and, and one thing's for sure, as, as you know so well, Seth, the recovery journey, whatever we're recovering from, and, and we say here at Recovery Cafe that we're a community of people recovering from many different things. So some of us are recovering from depression, others, you know, meth, others, heroin, others, PTSD, um, some, Some of us have many of those are recovering from many things all at once. As you know so well, it's, it's such a rigorous journey. I mean, it just takes all of our energy and our attention to stay on the journey. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is it is it is most definitely um there's a lot of of work that goes into it and it's so funny that you know it's so true that you talk about, you know, like we there's there's so many of us that are recovering so, from so many different things. You know, I find that on on a day-to-day basis, on a minute-to-minute basis what I'm recovering from, from whatever is affecting me at that moment, um, mentally, physically, emotionally, is is what I become to recover from. Um, you know, so like right. today, today I found myself uh, super impatient, right? So I was trying to recover my patience. Um, so it's it's most definitely, um, you know, something that continues to be a work of. You know, for lack of a better term, a work of art, if you will. It's something that I have to continuously work on and mold in order to get to where I want to be. Um, so it's definitely recovery is not a destination; it's most definitely a journey for sure. For sure,
0: and and I love what you say that uh, on any given day, you're you're recovering from whatever. Uh, these aren't your exact words, but from whatever is really blocking you from living fully on that day I mean like recently I've been so conscious of my need for recovery from any kind of negative thinking about myself mm. that that really doesn't serve it doesn't serve anyone else for me to to have a, a negative thought patterns about myself it doesn't help anyone else it, it doesn't uh, serve the common good and so I'm recovering from, you know, when I when I have a negative thought had a, a ne- negative thought creep in that oh you, you didn't do that well enough you ah oh, you're not smart enough oh you, you you know gosh you you didn't try hard enough just to kind of let that go and um and and not be uh, under the tyranny of negative thoughts about myself. That's a form of recovery. One that I'm very conscious of at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely, you know, um some good stuff there that you share, Kylie. And you know, I think that's that's a big one for me, you know, is is always um, you know, the the perfection and not not you know I'm super self self critical, um, and when I when something yeah. doesn't turn out the way that that I want to turn out um, or it doesn't turn out how I envisioned it to turn out, you know it's definitely one of those things that I have to sit down and take a look at or um, close my eyes and you know I've I've been um, getting into meditation a lot lately and I'll do a short maybe five ten fifteen minute short little meditation. Um, I do it at at my desk a lot, you know, when I, when I'm finding, when I'm finding that I'm slipping into these cracks, you know, it's, it's so crazy that, um, but it just, it just goes back to show that, you know, I, I truly believe that I will never be recovered. I will always be in recovery for sure. Um,
0: Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I, I love the fact that you said when you're slipping into one of these cracks, because, there are a million cracks that we could slip into, and 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 so not to be too dire, um, I, I think that I love the fact that you you said um, you could be sitting at your desk and and take a moment of meditation or um um I, I what I like to, or prayer I, I like even, yeah to, or prayer what I like to think of it as. Take a moment to return hmm. to return to that to that place that is deeper than whatever this thing is that's trying to uh, rob me of my joy. Yeah, and whatever this thing is that's trying to keep me uh, um, from from living um, a life that I'm excited about living. You know, living a, a full joyful life so it's just a any second of any day when we get when we feel find ourselves slipping into any of those cracks we can wherever we are we can just simply return return to that place of what I call that place of divine love in us where um, where we are exactly who we are, we need to be.
1: Yeah, and, at, not, at that given moment.
0: Yeah, at, at that given moment. We, we, are, we are who we need to be, and, and we're okay in that, just, just as we are in that moment. In that deeper place, in our, our truest self, we are who uh, we were created to be, in that deeper, truest self. So a return to that deeper truth, that, that place of, of the divine in us where we are, um, we're okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're more
0: than okay, actually. Yeah. We're we're more than okay.
1: That's so true. That's so true. (laughs) It's so true. So, so kind of, kind of just get, and and not, not that there's any sort of agenda here or anything, but just kind of getting back to, um, because that's, that is like super good stuff right there, Kelly. And I, and I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but, but getting, getting, getting back to, um, you know, finding, finding recovery cafe. So you, 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 you saw the need, um, uh, an immediate need, a, a desperate need by, you know, our fellow Fellow humankind, um, you you kind of felt their pain, and so you um, had this vision um, for a recovery cafe. So, what led what led up to you um, you know kind of kind of putting that into place? What did that look like?
0: Well, I, I you know I shared a little bit about uh, the the journey of um, starting Samaritan Inns in Washington, D.C. And then my husband wanted to take a job in Seattle and that was really hard for me because I just loved the community that um, had emerged in Washington, D.C., the Samaritan Inns community. But but after, you know, lots of uh, struggle we we agreed that we would move to Seattle, and so when I got here i I just started talking to other non profits that were already in existence and asking them, what do you see is the biggest need here in this city, which is a very different city than washington d c and what I kept hearing over and over again is, you know, we, we've got a great program for, um, we've, got a, we've got great housing providers here, low income housing providers. We've got great programs for teens. We've got great programs uh, for um, early childhood education. But one thing that sort of a, a need that runs through all of these different services is the need for long-term recovery support because if people don't have the support they need to stay on in the on the recovery journey then all these other things that they're working on come unraveled um like the housing or um and so so we began to imagine what would it look like to have a place of community and belonging and a place of joy where people uh, for people um that would support people on the recovery journey for the long haul for as long as they need that support uh, we have one gentleman here who's uh, been here for 15 years, and he uh, he keeps coming back every single day because community is what he needs. I, I, I happen to think community is really what we all need.
1: So, yeah. So, most definitely, you have, have created the community of, of Recovery Cafe and I came across one of the speeches um, that you gave in, in 2017 at Standing in the Gap. You, you spoke about, you know, kind of the building blocks of that community and you spoke about the four lifelines um, or practices that make up the heart of Recovery Cafe. Can you explain each one of those lifelines and how the Recovery Cafe maintains um, or, or, or keeps that community together?
0: That's a a great question, Seth. Um, I would say one of the lifelines is the the understanding that what we all need is to be deeply known and loved. It's one thing to have a bunch of people in our lives who say, I really love you, but don't really know our struggles, don't really know those cracks that we are, um, you know, afraid of falling into again and again and again. But when you are in a, a circle of loving accountability, and we call those circles recovery circles here, when you're with that small group of people week after week after week, and they know you deeply and love you, that powerful so being deeply known and loved and having a structure where that actually happens um, called the recovery circle is is one of the lifelines another lifeline is the no, notion that everyone and the expectation that everyone who is a part of this community is a contributor it, it doesn't matter if you walked in for the first time and you the last time you used meth was 24 hours ago because we do have a 24 hour we ask people to be um, to have not used for 24 hours before walking in simply to create a refuge for for others, because everyone here is, is, and not everyone, but a lot of people are really trying to pull together drug and alcohol-free days and weeks and months and years. So so we do ask that people um, have 24 hours before walking in drug and alcohol-free. But when, even if you've just got 24 hours we know that every single person is a contributor. And so people are expected to contribute by running the place, by doing the chores, by keeping, by helping prepare the food. We serve two really healthy, beautiful meals a day. And um, people are expected to contribute. contribute by running the physical cafe and people are expected to contribute by the way they show up in support of other people's recovery journeys. So being a contributor is another one of the lifelines. And and, um, in fact, even when someone relapses and they come back we we have this understanding that that there's no shame but that they have we we ask them to please tell us what they learned in their most recent relapse tell us what they learned because their experience might help save my life or your life or someone else's life so we try to value Again, everyone as a contributor. Another one of the lifelines is that we, we know that you can't just remove negative behaviors or destructive behaviors without putting something positive in place of those behaviors. So we have amazing opportunities here in the co- cafe community to participate in positive activities. We have a running club. We have a walking club. We have art, music, poetry, writing classes. We have opportunities for service. Um, People can learn to be baristas here and then um, not only serve the community um, special coffee drinks, but they can get jobs at Starbucks, Um, but just so many opportunities to do positive things and to develop really positive connections with others. And then the uh, another lifeline, I think, is that we're very intentional about raising up leaders in the community. I, I think it's a, it's a really revolutionary concept. To raise up from some of the most vulnerable among us, to raise up leaders, and and have those people who once were too ashamed to look you in the eye, to step forward and lead the recovery circles, and lead some of these classes, and lead the running club, and and um, just on and on and on. So those are some of the things that I think are at the heart of our community that, that are lifeline.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's so, so, so awesome. You know, that there, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there, but one of the, one of the founding, you know, foundations of recovery cafe that I absolutely love is that you guys don't discriminate about who comes in through the doors. Every Person, every human being that is out there suffering from, you know, mental illness, homelessness, depression, whatever it is, like that person becomes a part of the recovery cafe community right away, and you expect them to, you know, be a part of the recovery cafe, and then through their growth, um, you lift them up to be a leader. I think that is so so awesome, and so many of us out there that struggle. You know, we don't, we don't realize that places like this have this type of love that we can't just walk into the doors and be loved. Like people are loved at the recovery cafe. I think that's so amazing. And then, you know, obviously the love just being so important, um, super, super cool. So through the development of the four lifelines, you know, obviously there's some transformations that take place sad faces eventually smile, the hopeless become hopeful, broken become mended. So why do you think it's so hard for those of us that suffer from trauma, depression, mental illness, homelessness, whatever it is, substance addiction, to reach out and grab those lifelines such as the ones that um, you know Recovery Cafe has thrown out to those of us that suffer? Do you think it's caused by stigma, lack of resources, what is What do you think is the underlying factor? You know, maybe there not be one, but, you know, multiple out there. But what do you think is the main cause of people not willing to reach out and, and grab it by the horns and, and really, really work it?
0: I don't think there's any easy answer to that. But I think that isolation in our society is a big factor. People are so isolated that they don't... Um, Very few people, and even people who would not consider themselves suffering from any kind of mental health challenge or addiction, very few people have authentic community in their lives Mm -hmm. where they are truly deeply known. And and I think we were created for that kind of of authentic connection. And so I think it's hard um this as I was saying earlier, this recovery journey that, that there's so many cracks that that all of us could fall through that it's, it, it takes a lot of rigor, and we cannot do it on our own. Um, I don't care if you're recovering from um, negative mental you know mental thoughts or or um, uh, recovering from a need for approval. I don't care what it is. You can't do it on your own. And so I think that's what makes the journey so hard. People don't have communities like this where where they feel unconditionally loved and accepted just as they are. And, and we all know that the, the paradox is that we don't really change when someone is just judging us and saying, change, change. We change when we feel accepted and loved just as we are, before we, before we change. So that's the paradox. We, we all need that unconditional love, that community, not just from one person or one good friend or our mother, but we need it from a community of people. Where, and we need to know that what we bring to that community matters that we are participating in creating that that place of unconditional love and belonging and I, I think that's what's missing in everywhere from small towns um, to huge cities.
1: Yeah no I think that's I think that's super important you know I know that for me um one thing that kept me away from you know uh reaching out and getting out for help obviously you know I was sick caught up in my addiction caught up in my own head um but I didn't I felt like I was so alone I felt like I was so isolated and it yeah. wasn't it wasn't until I, um, you know, eventually I went to a inpatient treatment, um, center, uh, Azure Acres in Sebastopol, California. It wasn't until I was there for, I want to say probably a week, maybe week and a half that I finally realized was like, Oh my God, there are people out there just like me that suffer from the same exact emotions that I am feeling. Um, the emotions that I drowned, the emotions that I don't want to feel, and I think, I, Killian, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, I, you know, it, I, I'm so grateful that you bring that to light. Until we associate our feelings, or until we see ourselves in someone else, knowing that we are not alone, knowing that we are not the only person that suffers from what we are suffering from and what's holding us back from our true natural self, um, we won't be able to to make change. And I, and I saw that, you know, most definitely in, in my healing and in my recovery. And, you know, even today, even to carry that on, like I find that when I, you know, I'm having those ill emotions or those ill, the ill feelings are really disconnected is the time that I disconnect from the community is the time that I disconnect from my practice. Um, and it's, 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 it's the time that I realized that I do need that community. So I think it's, I think I'm so happy that you say that, you know, it's, it's, it's the lack of, of feeling needed or, or the lack of feeling, you know, like that we aren't the only ones. It's so funny. Me and my wife, we always joke about this. Like we're totally open about, you know, our emotions and uh, what we're going through. And it's, we have this, we have this phrase that we say to, to one another, And it's like, okay so you 're depressed right now you're you're not the only one like you 're not the only one that 's ever felt this way before, so you need to talk about it you 're not special right um, and and, we, <laughs> and we, we we say that you're not special because you know it being that we are not the first one to feel depressed or angry or anxiety or you know, it's, it's, it's so funny. I think that, you know, the community, it, it, um, you know, especially what you guys have created, you and the team at recovery cafe and even the community at recovery cafe, what you guys have created, it's so important, um, you know, to remind us as individuals that, you know, we are not special. We are not the only ones that have ever, um, you know, felt this way. You know, I think, Think that's I, I love I love that you say that, and I love the um, you know the sense of community that has been created. Um, so, I guess you know one one thing that I do I do want to talk about, and we get a lot of we get a lot of emails about is um, you know like relapse or going back to our old ways. Um, so after one of them, you know, uh, a human is pulled from the wreckage or rapids of life, um, you know, caused by trauma, depression, mental illness, whatever it is how does one retain that connection to solid ground or what's, what do you, what do you see as the best way to, to get out, um, you know, and kind of maintain the connection to the community, to the path of, of self growth and, and and recovery of self after a relapse?
0: Well, um, I'll tell you a story. One time, um, one of our members got some really bad news and, so he we went out and got loaded, and and 24 hours later, he was back on the steps of our uh, at our front door to the cafe that morning, and I said, "Wow, it's a am- first of all, so glad you're back, and and it's so amazing that you." you came back so soon from a relapse. How did you do that? So, um, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, I said, how did you, you know, he said, and I I said in other relapses, it's taken you out for like, you know, years at a time. And uh, I said, how is it that you came back so quickly? And he said, the first time in my life that I knew it mattered to someone else that I come back. So it speaks to that community thing. Um, it doesn't mean that relapse doesn't happen, but it speaks to being a part of a people who you who who you know really care about you and and who want you to come back and who need you to come back. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we try really hard here to not only welcome people when they walk in the door after a relapse, but welcome them with open arms and and express just genuine joy over their return. But we also try to sit down and say, tell us what you learned. Tell us, because we need to learn from your experience. So it's not not only, it it, it comes right, you know, Seth, I think it keeps coming back to that, that uh, being loved unconditionally and knowing that you belong to a people and I, I just think that is um that's more rare in our american society than than uh, most of us want to admit
1: yeah and i that's that was that's one of the one of the things that i love so much you know is that you ask you know obviously you welcome back with open arms um but you ask them like tell us about it you know get it off of your chest you don't, um, you know, there's, there's not that, you know, you're, you, you screwed up this time. You're never going to, you're never going to get back. You, you, you welcome them with open arms. You ask them, you know, what took you out? What happened? Um, because it, it, it most definitely is, you know, a, a, a learning process. Um, and yeah, then,
0: it's a learning it, process
1: for sure for sure like i like i said at the beginning you know of uh, of the show is it's a journey it's it's most definitely um you know it's 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 not a destination recovery is 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 a journey for sure when someone does come back from relapse i mean i'm sure that you see that there, you know there's probably a, a bit of shame and guilt and and this can make it difficult for for the stranded to reach back out you know a second third 13 time what does is, what is the Community at Recovery Cafe offer to ease this? I know I know that it's love. Um, you welcome back with open arms.
0: Well, I think a, a, a lot of what happens takes place in that small, intimate group called the Recovery Circle. There's, um, I, I've seen in my Recovery Circle seen people welcomed back and given the opportunity to process what happened and given the opportunity to share and reflect with people who who are just so delighted that they're back. So I, I don't know that I don't know that I have any, anything um too much to add except just how rare that is to be welcomed back with open arms and to have your experience valued even the experience of a relapse to have that valued in among people who who really really know you and really really care does that mean that we have some there's some magic that prevents anyone here from feeling shame or disappointment in themselves no, I wish we did. I wish we did, but but I do think there is something about that small group where you are so deeply known that at least it it's at least an antidote to being stuck in self punishment and shame and and not able to move on after a relapse. I, I do think there is something to that, um, that small intimate group, the power of that group.
1: Yeah. And it it just goes back to show, you know, that the, the community at recovery cafe, you know, it's, it's, it's one that's focused on love and community. Um, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've been in recovery for, for 10, 15 years, and then you go out and you relapse, um, you're still welcome back the next day whether or not you relapsed it's it sounds like the same level of love never changes it's it's across the board always at a high level that's so awesome that that is you know the community that is has been kind of built around the recovery cafe um. So we're going to wrap this thing up, Keelan. Just, I just have one more question for you. Um, you know, if, for the addict out there that still continues to suffer and is looking, you know, for a place um, such as the recovery cafe, where where can they find you at? How do they reach out? Um, and then also, you know, like, give us a couple words of advice that you would give to the addict or alcoholic or the the person that suffers from trauma or depression or homelessness.
0: I would say to that person still suffering, you are precious. You are loved. You were created in the very image of God. And there is absolutely nothing that you've ever done or could do that can separate you from, from that love and yet coming to know yourself as loved is a really hard journey because we've been programmed to feel shame and to basically hate ourselves when we make mistakes and and so i would say to to that person it's it's a hard journey to come to know yourself as as loved and as precious but come and be a part of that journey with others cuz you 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 can never come to know it on your own all alone it 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 is a journey that requires others that's
1: really probably all I would say <laughs> no, that's that's good stuff, Kylan. I, I much appreciate appreciated. <laughs> so, if, if if anyone's looking for information on Recovery Cafe um, or any of your you know your the books that you've written, where can they find out more information about you? Um, you're also getting ready to do another uh, a 2018 Standing in the Gap. Uh, I think it's scheduled for September 20th. Correct? Where can they find information about that?
0: Our website recoverycafe.org. Or um, if they want to learn about how to start a recovery cafe in in their town or city, they can uh, find us at recoverycafe network dot org. That's the organization. It's part of the recovery cafe organization, but that's the branch of our work dedicated to helping groups all over the country replicate this model so the one the one um, address you need to remember is recoverycafe.org and you that will that will really uh, take you to anything else that you want to to find
1: yeah be sure to check out recoverycafe.org there's a tons of resources on there you could get a hold of Killian Uh, you could find out more information on recovery cafe the work that killian is doing and the community at recovery cafe is amazing the love that you guys are sharing with the community the love that you share with humans um is is unmeasurable and you know i i appreciate it killian thank you so much for joining me today it's it's been an honor uh it's been great Thank you for tuning in today. Much love and respect to you, Killian. Keep your blood clean.